Hello and welcome to the Yarniacs podcast. This is episode number 253, which we're recording on Thursday, September 9th, 2021. I'm Gail. And I'm Charlene. And it's been a nice week because we had a couple different knitting experiences this week. We had the Zoom with Yarniac friends, and then we had a meetup yesterday with a friend who was visiting. So it's been such a good week for me. It has. Just the fact that we got to sit outside and chat, which we have rarely done in the past year with other knitters. So very nice. And the Zoom on Saturday, I went to Charlene's house. So we were together outside in her yard on Saturday as well. So yeah, just wonderful. So what are you wearing, Charlene? I have been wearing this week my Little Bird Pullover Sweater, which is a pattern by Vera Volimaki. I made mine back in, let's see, spring of 2017, back in April of 2017 to be exact. And Little Bird is a lace weight sweater that I made in the Holst Yarn Coast yarn. And the pattern as written is a tunic length pullover sweater with alternating textural stripes of, let's see, there's two different lace patterns, and then you have a solid stripe alternating the textural stripes. And I modified mine so that it was only, I think it was about two-thirds of the length. Mine was not a tunic length. In other words, I made it more hip length. So it was a short sweater, shorter than the original tunic length. And I really love it. It's one of those patterns that I have always earmarked that I would like to make again. And I haven't yet, but yes, it is still in my queue to make it again. (laughs) You know, we should do that because you were so cute in yours yesterday. You looked so cute. Oh, thank you. I really want to make another one too. And mine is tunic length and I want to make a shorter one like yours. Yeah. And I keep thinking, oh, maybe if I make it again, I'll make the tunic length. (laughs) (laughs) So we could knit them at the same time and you'd finish your tunic length about the same time I finished mine because I'm also going to do another cap sleeve like my first one. Oh, okay. Okay. And I have just the yarn for it too. So. Well, no, then you'll finish yours a lot quicker if it's short and cap sleeve. I don't know. You knit a lot faster than I do. So if I omit my sleeves and knit it shorter, then I'll probably finish about the same time as you, I think. That's what I would guess. I don't feel like I'm knitting very fast these days, but I'll tell you about that when we talk about what we're knitting. (laughs) (laughs) What have you been wearing? I have been wearing my super simple summer sweater by Hohi Locatelli. And I've been wearing my version that I knit with chickadee sport weight yarn held doubled with Western Sky fingering slub yarn. So instead of stripes, like my other super simple summer sweaters, which is what the pattern looks like, it's meant for stripes. Mine is one quote solid color unquote, which is really a beautiful riot of little speckles of all different colors. And it's just such a fun sweater to wear. I love the way it fits. I love the weight of it. I love the colors. And when I put it on yesterday, Josie said, that's really pretty yarn. And I thought, yes, score. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, that's a winner. And someday I think I'll probably knit another slub sweater with yarn held doubled like that, just because it's such a pretty effect. It's kind of magical and you don't see it. It's not something you could ever buy in a store. Of course, hand knits, you say that in general, but the slub yarn with the speckle really just gives it such a unique look. So Yeah, I agree. I agree. All right, what have you been stocking? Well, I have been looking for something to knit for a trip while I'm traveling. And my first thought was that I wanted to have some lace weight yarn to take with me for something that would be not very complicated, but have enough of something to it to hold my detail so that, or to hold my attention, excuse me, so that I would only have to bring one project. 
I know that's very bold to say I only want to bring one project. <laughs> that's risky. But it is a, yes. But it is a number one, a very short trip. Number two, I don't anticipate having much knitting time while there. So for those reasons, I think I can get away with it. And also number three, I'm taking a an extreme minimum of luggage. So for those reasons, trying to plan out something for a lace weight yarn seemed prudent, right? Mm-hmm. Smart planning. Yeah. I hope at the so, last minute you throw in a hat project, though, just in case. Yeah, I probably <laughs> Just <will>. in case. <laughs> so I thought an easy lace shawl, but I am not finding something that I feel is perfect. And it's making me crazy because how is that even possible? <laughs> <laughs> with all the shawls with, we stock, there should be some in our favorites, all right? all the patterns that are out there, with all the everything that is out there, how is that possible? So the first possibility that I came across was something called the banana leaf shawl. And this is a pattern by Yuki Ueda. The page for the pattern was created back in June of 2014. So it's not new, and there are 1,500 projects on Ravelry. So Yeah, so a lot of knitters have made it, and it's made with Malabrigo lace yarn. It's a somewhat basic wrap in a rectangular shape, although there are points at each end of the basic rectangular rectangular shape and it's created the the points on each end are created by increasing or decreasing in what look like very wide ribs so say that it's 10 stitches you've got 10 rows of knit 10 rows of pearl 10 rows of knit 10 rows of pearl And they go out to form this V that create the points at either end. And that one looks, that one looks actually the most promising because it has the same amount of yarn or it requires the same amount of yarn that I happen to have. So that one looks good. I'm, I'm a little worried that it might be a little too boring, but again, my mind is just all over the place trying to pick the perfect project, and so I'm not really sure. And then the second thing that I was considering and the third thing that I am considering are both projects that I've knit before. The Julie's Wrap by Hohi Locatelli, which is a rectangular wrap with a ruffle along the edge and pico edging along the edge, both of which I really love. I love that wrap. I made it previously with more yarn than I currently have, so I'm thinking I could make a somewhat two-third size shawl, maybe. And I was thinking, okay, and just to make it a little bit different, I could knit it in stockinette instead of garter, and all these things that I'm trying to to plan to that to make it a little bit different. And then the third one is. Imagine When, which I knit before, which is a smaller single skein shawl that is made up of sections of short rows and then little eyelet patterning between each section of short rows. And that one was really fun to make. So that one is another one I'm considering. So... Thoughts? I don't know. I'm going to throw another yeah, one in the mix. Please do. I don't remember the name of the pattern. You've stocked it. It's lace weight, and it's a wrap that's also a cowl. I want to say it's by a Japanese designer. I could be wrong on that, but you were going to knit it, and the yarn you had, you didn't have quite enough. So you didn't cast it on, but depending on the amount of yarn you have available, yeah. that's something you wanted to knit anyway. So that's just throwing true. that out there. I I know exactly which one you're talking about. I can't remember the name of it either, but I know exactly which one you're talking about. It was very cool because it is 
knit in a tube, but it's a very, very long tube. So you can wrap it around you, around your neck or around your shoulders, like a scarf or like a shawl. Or because it's knit in lace weight and is very stretchy, you can open that tube and wear it like a, a big cow. I'll, it's on uh, the tip I, of my tongue, but you I know, know what I'm exactly about. which one it is. Yeah. It is probably still in my queue. We'll put it in the show notes. And so in the I will thread. definitely put it in the show notes. Yes. So thank you. Because I knew that if I had a discussion with all of my knitting friends, somebody would come up with something. <laughs> yes. But now the question is, what is the yarn you're considering using? Because you've alluded to it, but I don't know what it is. Oh, okay. I have several skeins of the now discontinued Madeline Tosh lace. Mm. So I would be using one of my few remaining skeins of the very precious Tosh lace. Delightful. (laughs) Yes, I think I have four skeins of it left in varying shades of purples. Mm. Dreamy. Yeah, Perfect travel knitting, is. actually. It, it really mm-hmm. is, because it's 900 yards in this nice, compact little cake yep. that really is barely larger than a cupcake. So very, very Easy to good carry around, knitting. doesn't exactly. take up much space in your bag. I love it, yeah. Doesn't weigh a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Perfect. So... Okay, how about you? What are you stocking? Well, I wanted to give an update first on Shoji, the pattern that I was stocking last episode by Nora Gon when I asked for opinions on whether I should knit it or not. And I want to thank everybody who commented in the thread for last episode because there were so many thoughtful comments about the pattern. You got a lot of comments yeah, about it was that. Yeah, fabulous. So some of the comments that dissuaded me from knitting it. The first one, a couple people commented on how if I were to knit it as a rainbow, which was my original plan, the way you fold it and seam it, the colors would look odd. So... That was the biggest reason to not do it. And the second reason is that it gives a bubble butt. So depending on how you wear it, it can enhance the size of your booty and your hips, which is not a look that I want. So I decided for my body shape and size and for the color combination I had in my head that I probably shouldn't knit it. And then, oh, there was a third reason. The yarn that I had chosen, although we discussed how it would probably work, someone commented, I think it was Gary, commented that it would be much more successful and less bubble buddy knit in a drapier. (laughs) That's a term, right? Knit in a drapier yarn so that it would drape instead of kind of bowl out. So I think all those comments convinced me that I should not knit shoji. So thank you again, everyone who commented. There were many of you who weighed in your opinions, and I appreciate every one of those. So things I'm actually stocking this episode. There are three different sweaters that I'm stocking, and two of them caught my eye because of embroidered flowers that are done after the sweater is knit. So I stocked a shawl not that long ago. They did the same thing, And I just love how this looks. So I could do it on any sweater or shawl pattern. It doesn't have to be a particular pattern. But there was a new release, the Lazy Daisy Cardigan by Rachel Kurihara, who also is the designer of the Clio cardigan that I stocked last episode. So she had two releases very close together. And this one is a very simple cardigan design And it's knit in bulky weight yarn, so I'm not going to knit that particular pattern because I don't have many opportunities to wear bulky weight yarn. But her different testers, they all put their lazy daisy stitches in different places. So they have these beautiful little flowers embroidered on their sweaters in different places, in different clusters, and it's so cute. That is cute. It's really a beautiful effect. So that is the Lazy Daisy Cardigan by Rachel Kurihara. And then a similar cardigan that I don't even know how I found it. I 
I don't think I searched for embroidery, but I found another one that's similar, and it's called Fabian, and it's by Rachel Sogard, and this one's a free pattern, and it's a twin set style cardigan, so if you can imagine, it's not quite fitted, but it's twin set, like, you know, high hip. It's really cute. Kind of like one of those classic style cardigans from the 50s. Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly yeah. what I thought of when I saw it. And this one has embroidered flowers in little clusters along the bottom hem. And it's just so precious. I actually owned a sweater similar to it that I found Aww. at a thrift store once. I just, I love that effect of little embroidered flowers on sweaters. I think yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, it sounds Sounds really cute. But this sweater is knit in Aran weight. So again, I probably wouldn't knit that sweater, although you could easily, or I could easily, swatch in a different yarn and then do some gauge math and still use the pattern if that was a style that I wanted to use. But it's more yeah. the flowers that appealed to me than the actual style of the sweater. So those two were all because of the cute embroidery. And then the third one I'm stalking because Anna, who is single mom power on Ravelry, she knit two of these for the colors of fall, and it's called the Rainbow Solo, and it's by, I believe, a Swedish designer named Lena Holm Samso, and I'm sure I'm not pronouncing that correctly, but imagine that someone who is Swedish said that name. And the sweater is so cute. It's a pullover. And it has dolman sleeves, and it's a chevron. So imagine the point it goes down the center of your front and the center of your back. And so the, the stripes move in towards the center, in and down towards the center. And it's knit with two strands of silk mohair held doubled. And people have knit it in various colors and various, actually even various different yarns. Not everybody knit it with a mohair or you know, various different effects for the sweater. Some people knit it all in one color with one small stripe throughout as an accent. Some people knit it in all different colors. It's just really a fun looking, lightweight, super cute sweater. Is it reminiscent of the hoodie shawl cardigan you just made? No. It's, no? Oh, okay. No, it's... The way you described the point in the back made me think of that. Well, it's in the same direction and the same point. So in that mm -hmm. sense, that chevron is in the shape, same shape, yes. But the overall sweater is very different. But I apparently okay. have a thing for chevrons that point in that direction <laughs> on the sweater because that's, that's a good observation. But it's really cute. And Anna, like I said, knit two of them in very different colors and that whole striped effect appeals to me very highly. and. The idea of the loftiness of that sweater, you know, mm -hmm. just be delight to wear. So that is the Rainbow Solo by Lena Holm Samso. Okay. All right. What have you been knitting? Well, I am apparently suffering from a classic case of new shiny <laughs> because <laughs> when I stay, when I say that, I'm saying that I still have three sweaters on the needles. The first one I started way back when, at the beginning of summer, was Oreed, which I was perfectly smitten with until I cast on the Long Summer Cardigan, a newer pattern by Hohi Locatelli, which I was absolutely perfectly smitten with until I cast on the test knit for Elizabeth Doherty. Now, the test knit for Elizabeth Doherty, it's, it's, there's, there's a fairly long, I don't even remember the, the date I'm supposed to have it completed by, but if I recall correctly, it, it wasn't a short completion date, so. I'm not exactly rushing to meet a completion date, but the sweater has been so addicting to knit. So Elizabeth Doherty is the designer of the Donner sweater that I rave about and wear quite frequently. And she posted a photo on her Instagram account if you want to take a look at this new and coming sweater. But it is a textured sweater 
pull over and the texture is created by alternating patterns of slip stitches and it's completely addicting because it's that one more row, one more row, one more row kind of thing to see this pattern emerge. And it's not just stuck in it, so it really holds my interest, but it's easy and repetitive enough that I can watch my movies and TV shows in the evening. So I've been having a really good time with it. So I'm going to have three sweaters, hopefully coming up within the next few weeks, months, whenever. <laughs> <laughs> but I can't believe that I'm saying I still have three sweaters on the needles. And they're but all I do. so pretty. The yeah, the test knit, please tell everybody about the yarn, even though it's not available anymore. It's just so pretty. Oh, I, you know, I know nothing about this dyer. And quite honestly, I know nothing about the base. So I don't know if it is not available currently or if it in fact has been discontinued. But the dyer is a UK-based dyer and it, I believe it is pronounced Triskelion. I believe that is how it's pronounced. Uh, like I said, I know nothing about the dyer and the base that I am using is a single ply 50% wool, 50% silk. The label does say what kind of wool, and I don't have the label with me right now. I, think I wasn't it's expecting that. Okay. And why do I yeah. know? Because I've gone out and tried to find it because it's such <laughs> a beautiful base. It literally just has this luster from the silk, and in the stitch pattern, it's just incredible it's such a beautiful effect yeah i'm really enjoying working with it and eventually i would like to find out if this base is a proprietary thing or if it's something that is available and perhaps other dyers are using it because i really like it a lot so that is testnet for Elizabeth Doherty knit in Treskelion yarns. And I went out on their website and they have a lot of interesting bases. They're, I think they probably had some merino or merino blends, but they were some pretty unique bases. I was very intrigued. Hmm. Interesting. Yep. So what are you knitting? I am still knitting on my long summer cardigan by Hohe, which I am smitten with, and it has... I've not been distracted by another sweater yet. <laughs> I was going to cast on my Koi tee by the designer Ginkgo B, but then I remembered the Colors of Fall knit along is getting close to the end. I think September 22nd or 21st is the end. And I remembered my Calico shawl was supposed to be one of my projects for the Colors of Fall. So I picked up my calico shawl and I've been working on that instead of casting on something new and pretty. And I am loving the calico shawl. Now I want to knit everything in assigned pooling because the effect is just so <laughs> unique. It's like the... It's pretty cool. It's really yeah. cool. Like that slub sweater is so unique. Yeah. I think we knit so many things that when there's new and shiny with a yarn base or an effect, it is new shiny and oh now I want to do all the things in that so the calico shawl I've talked about it a couple times but I'll give a little refresher it's by the designer Don Barker who is also the dyer of Chasing Rabbits Fibers and I'm using her base called Fern which is a merino nylon base and it's dyed in a fashion she calls assigned pooling I've also seen it called planned pooling so basically, if you were to take a hank of fingering weight yarn and open the hank out, it is about a third of the skein is colored, and then the rest isn't a contrast color or a different color or something. And in the case of the colorway I'm using, which is wild violet, most of the yarn is kind of a natural oatmeal-y color, and then a third is a beautiful tonal purple. 
and there are little bits of yellow on either side of the purple. So what you do is you knit per the pattern, and when you start the purple colored area, you do a special stitch. So in the end, you have this field of the oatmeal color with these little clusters of purple, and the effect is just so cool. <laughs> and I was, as I was knitting last night, I was also doing a little yarn shopping on my phone. I didn't buy anything, but I was looking at other vendors' offerings of assigned pooling yarn. And there are some really pretty, pretty, pretty yarns out there. So it's been very engaging to start knitting it again. It's a very simple pattern. And then you hit these assigned pooling areas where you do this cluster and it slows down the knitting, but it's not, it's such really fun knitting. I'm really enjoying it. And I think I probably have less than a half of my second skein to go and I'm on the ribbing section. So you knit the stockinette portion in the first skein. And then when you start on your second skein of yarn, you start the ribbing. So it's a very wide swath of ribbing. So that will be done. Hopefully by the end of the Colors of Fall knit along, that's my goal. And then right before we started recording, I cast on another hat for sailors hat. And this is the Aranka hat, which has been in my queue forever. It's by Danny Girardi. And I just am trying to go through my queue and knit some of the worsted weight hats that have been in there a long time. And this was the latest one I picked. So just cast it on with some leftover Neighborhood Fiber Company's worsted weight, which is so pretty. It's a rusty red and I wanted to hoard it for myself, but that's selfish. So I'm <laughs> knitting another hat for sailors. So that's what I've been knitting. Okay. We would like to thank our September sponsor, Lolo Body Care. After a long day, when your belly is full and you're feeling nourished and the world is starting to fall asleep, grant yourself the privilege of peace. Light a candle and turn off all the lights in your house. Rest and enjoy the beautiful night without worry to be productive or creative. Simply be and enjoy Lolo candles. Are you saying you didn't know Lolo Body Care made candles? Neither did I. Their candles are completely sustainable, and their size, beauty, and ability to change the mood in the room is something to envy. They're handcrafted from 100% premium soy wax. If you thought that soy wasn't good for you, actually soy candles are biodegradable, basically CO2 neutral, and do not release soot or toxins into the air. And true to form, Lolo Body Candles are 100% infused with love. This is what Beth N. says about Lolo Candles. Fresh and lively, it's such a delight to have the Lolo Candle burning. The soft fragrance is like lovely background music, adding to the pleasure of the moment without forcing your attention on itself. As Coco also is a fan, she says, these candles are incredible. I'm obsessed with the body bars and hoped the hand-poured candles would make me just as happy. They surpassed my expectations. The scents are deep without being overpowering. If you're on the fence, jump right in. Get them at www.lolobody.com. And that's cool. I didn't know that either. So I'm thinking, stocking stuffers. All right, what have you finished? Well, I have finished one hat. This is my ninth hat for this year. Yay! And my goal was to knit one charity hat project every month. So September is our ninth month and I'm right on track, which I'm very happy about. Congratulations. Oftentimes in the middle of the year, I'll fall behind and stop, forget about it, kind of stop making hats. And then at the end of the year, frantically catch up. <laughs> the but, panic knitting of hats. <laughs> yeah, but this year I'm doing good. So I have finished, like I said, the ninth hat that's probably going to go to the Hats for Sailors project that Gail has mentioned several times. It'd be fun to find out how many of their goal they have collected so far. I'm curious because what was the number they were looking for? They were looking 6, for 6,000. Yeah, that's that's a lot of handmade hats. A lot of hats. <laughs> Heck yeah. So I'll have a few to deliver in a few weeks, I suppose. We'll probably have to bring them. We have, I think, about eight weeks left. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It's November so, 12th, I want to say, is the due date. So. Okay. 
So yeah. I've got a little We've got while. time. <laughs> okay. And that's the only thing I've finished. How about you? What have you finished? I also finished some hats for sailors. My hats number six and seven. I knit the July hat by Courtney Kelly. That's from Kelborn Woolen's Year of Hats, which is their 12-month collection, one free hat for every month of the year. And I've knit several of them so far. And this is the first time I've knit the July hat. Like all of the other patterns in the collection, it's very simple. Well, I shouldn't say all of the other ones. There are some cabled ones that are going to take some thought, but I'd love to knit some of the cabled ones too. Mm -hmm. But this one was a combination of knits and pearls to give a diamond effect to the body of the hat, which was very nice to knit. And I used my candy skein Juicy Worsted that I used for Max's sweater. And this is the yarn that will never end. <laughs> and I thought when I finished that hat, I would have used all of the yarn. But hat number seven is another stash busting helix hat. And I used for one of the stripes in that hat, I used the same colorway and there's still some left. So yes, there was, I saw you, you knitting on it. it and there was still a good chunk left. Well, and then I knit the stash busting helix hat after you saw what was left, and I still have some left. <laughs> it's never going to go away. But, th- I mean, I'm not yeah. complaining. Who who would be sad about having the yarn? But, right. you know, it's one of those things where you just think, wow, how is, how is this yarn still in my stash? Yeah. But I have just enough left, I think, to do a stripe on a hat. And what I'm doing is I'm collecting all the ends of yarn from all the hats that I'm knitting, and I'm going to knit one hat at the end that's a stripe of all of the colors that are left. So it'll be a very, very colorful nice. hat for yes. the last hat. Yes. So hats for sailors, numbers six and seven, and then I've got number eight on the needle, so I'm feeling pretty good about that. Yay. Yay. All right, we wanted to do a short little colors of fall check-in because the knit-along is almost over. I can't believe it. Every year when it starts, I think, we have so long. We have almost three months. Yeah, <laughs> and then there, boom, it's gone. We have 74 finished projects already. Lots of beautiful, beautiful things. I've been going, looking at each one pretty carefully, thus the stocking of the uh, rainbow solo sweater. Yes. <laughs> Every year, my queue grows because of the beautiful projects people knit and the lovely fall looks everybody creates. Don't forget, we don't have quote requirements because we're not like that for most of our knit-alongs. But for this one, we do want to see your finished object styled in a fall look. So it can be on a hanger. It can be laying on the bed or the floor. It doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be on your body. We like to see them on your body as well. But if you don't have a photographer handy or whatever the reason is, just lay it on the bed and, yeah. you know, make an outfit out of it. Yeah. Make it work. It's a make it work moment for our fall <laughs> looks. So, yes, yeah, September 22nd. And I finished my Live Light and got pictures in an outfit, which I'm very proud of. And my calico shawl will hopefully be done. And I'm going to have the goal of taking pictures in that as well. And I think it's the ninth. I have time. I'll get it done. Yeah. I'm I'm feeling optimistic about that. <laughs> so time is running out, but we still have just under two weeks. So we'll be wrapping that knit along up soon. Okay. All right. So Charlene did something super interesting to me recently, and you do it every year. And we've never really talked about it on the podcast before. No, I guess we haven't. I have a very small once a year job that I do at the county fair, local county fair, where I judge knitting entries. So you've been doing the judging for at least five or six years, right? Yes. yes. So it's been a while. And I feel like every year I ask you the same questions about <laughs> judging. And you think I would remember, but every year I quiz Charlene, like, wow, you know, how do you judge? And what do you do? And what's it like? And how many things do you look at? And you spend a whole day at the fair. I, I spend a whole day there. Oftentimes there is a second judge as well. This This year there was not because there was a lower number of entries, despite the fact that this there has actually been a two-year gap because there was not a fair in 2020, of course. So this year is the first 
local event in two years. And that was interesting to me, the fact that you had fewer entries, which one makes sense in one way because there will be fewer people probably attending the fair than we usually have. Exactly. Our county doesn't have like really exciting things that happen very often. So when the county fair happens, every class goes on field trips there and (laughs) everybody flocks there and it's a big deal. It's a big deal. Yeah. Because especially since we're an agricultural county and a big aspect of the fair is the agricultural side, both the produce and the livestock. Yeah. So the fact that there were fewer entries in that regard makes sense. But where it doesn't make sense to me is the amount of planning you have to do to get an entry into the fair. There's a lot to consider with the logistics and the planning. And since people had two years to do that, I mean, not (laughs) technically because you're not supposed to enter something that isn't new, but still, I would think that more people were home knitting and would enter more things and crocheting. Yeah. But I think there are too few people who know that it's an option. I never would think to enter something into the fair. So I think it's good that we talk about it because it's throughout our whole country, the U.S., it's a thing. I'm sure it's a thing in most countries in some way. There must be some kind of event in a lot of countries where you can enter your beautiful knitwear and crochet wear. I know throughout the state of California, most counties have a local fair. Mm-hmm. And then we even have a state fair as well, where people can enter whatever they want to enter on the statewide level as well. Because I have been asked to judge in other counties as well. Wow. So the planning is a serious consideration because you have to have your object finished by a certain time in order to have it at the fair at a certain time for the judging, which happens well in advance of the actual fair. Yeah, there's before if you're considering entering something into a fair, there's going to be rules on the form that you need to fill out. For example, one of ours is that, like Gail mentioned, you're supposed to have created the entry within the year prior to the start of the fair. And then you're also. Like, say, you have to choose different categories. Thank you. Yeah, I was surprised at that because I was looking at various fairs. And, like, the Texas State Fair, they have 25 categories for knitting. Oh, yeah. And 25 for crochet. Our local fair, I think, had 16 or so for knitting and crochet. And our local fair also has categories for yarn dyeing. Lots Mm -hmm. of categories for Mm -hmm. yarn dyeing. And I thought, wow, who knew? Yeah. It's a whole home arts department is the big umbrella and then within home arts we have knitting crochet needlework sewing quilting and then there's also spinning although for some reason that is in a different department I believe because it's in a completely different building I'm not Hmm. entirely sure how that works. <laughs> That's interesting. That it would yeah, be separated. it is interesting. It's, but I don't think it's in home arts. I'm not even sure what department it's in, but it's in, in a whole other building. So, so I interrupted you because you were talking about filling out the form and I got distracted by categories. So you were saying there's a time period, there are categories. Yeah, there's, there's always rules that you have to follow. So if you are considering entering a knitting project into a county fair competition or a county fair-like competition, one of the first things I would recommend is to find out exactly what is being judged. For example, is it your knitting skill? Is it your knitting level? Is it the ability to create tidy stitches, for example? How is it being judged? Because there are different ways that projects are judged. Two of the main ways that we look at things, and I don't know where these names originated or how far back they go historically, but the two systems that we use for judging, one is called the Danish system and one is called the American system. And under the Danish system, 
all entries are not compared to each other, but they must meet certain standards. So for example, after years of looking at projects, I have a basic rubric that I look at when I judge knitting projects, for example, to meet this level, to meet whatever level, let's say you have to have your stitches are nice and even when you compare the knits to the pearls. So your gauge is even throughout. Or perhaps you have to have neat and tidy increases and decreases. Or perhaps you have to weave in ends. There are different different skills that you have to meet to achieve the third level, second level, first level. Does that make sense? Yeah. And are those something that if I'm entering the competition, I can look at that rubric and know? No. Okay. So that's what the judges see. But as... Actually, it's just me. It's just in my head. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. I thought that it was like a, de- a defined... It probably should be, but that's the other thing. County fairs are just not that organized. Yeah. If it were something probably put on by a national knitting guild or that kind of thing, perhaps it would be that organized. But one county fair compared to another county fair compared to another county fair, they're all pretty casual. And I have a feeling having worked with a few other judges in the past, I have been the only one that is at least thinking about a rubric that I know of. So, and that's just to help me because it makes it, it actually makes it easier for me to judge. That makes sense. I would feel the same way. Yeah. So that's the Danish system. The American system is when each entry is judged not only on its own merit or skills, but in comparison to other entries. So the way these two systems work together is that I will look at entries, judge each entry based on its own ability to meet certain standards, award it a number rating, which will earn it a ribbon or not, And then, let's say, the top blue winning entries from each category will eventually move on and be compared to other entries for, like, the top award. Like, if there's a... Different fairs will do it differently, but at least for this one, there was, like, an overall best of show. So if each category, like the best sweater, and then the best gloves, and then the best socks, and then the best scarf, that kind of thing. Each of those categories will have a best one in that category, and then those will be compared against each other. So you pick out the three ribbon winners for each category, and then the top of each category is judged against each other for best of show basically except under the danish system everybody or nobody or 50 percent of the participants could all win ribbons because if there are 20 sweaters that meet the criteria for a red second place ribbon then 20 sweaters will all achieve the red second place ribbon okay, that kind that's of thing interesting. okay yeah so there when you go and look at the entries on the actual fair day. There are lots of ribbons awarded because for different reasons, you'll be awarding these numbers and achievement levels to pro- to entries as they meet the certain standards. That okay, so each, each item can win an, a ribbon based on its own merits. Yes, that's and exactly it. <laughs> for the American system, they're compared to one another yeah. for a best of show. Yeah. So an example would be a garter. Let's say someone has entered a garter stitch scarf and it's the perfectly executed garter stitch scarf. All their stitches are even. 
their ends are tidily woven in and it's perfectly blocked and it's a perfect garter stitch scarf. That garter stitch scarf could then go on to win a blue, well, it will win when it's judged by the Danish system. It will win a blue ribbon. But then when it moves on to pick what is the best of and it's compared to something else where you start to look at skill and skills used in a project, then perhaps the sweater or the socks will win over the garter stitch scarf because you use more skills to create that project. Makes perfect sense. Okay, good. Interesting. Interesting. (laughs) So Charlene had explained all this to me the other day at the yarn store when I was quizzing her mercilessly about, well, how does it work? What do you do? Blah, blah, blah. And I think from your answers and from the research that I did about fairs and competitions in general, one thing that I did take away is that it's very subjective. So like Mm -hmm. you said, you have your own rubric. And that's one thing I was thinking about for people who enter if they don't win something is not to be disappointed because you don't know exactly, you don't necessarily know exactly what you're being judged for. Yeah, county fairs are notorious for not necessarily being even on their judging. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I do try to achieve some kind of level, like I said, with my rubric, but I have a story to tell about how I ended up doing this because... Many, many years ago, I entered a pair of lace socks, and they were really beautifully knit, fancy lace knee socks. Kind of impractical, but they were lovely to look at, and I just wanted to make them. And so I I didn't make them to enter them into the fair, but then I decided, okay, this is what I want to enter, and I entered that into the fair. And when I got my judging comments back, the judge that year said that my execution was beautiful, but she dropped points for my entry because she said the lace patterning shouldn't be on the foot of the sock because that wouldn't feel good in the shoe. Even if it was to pattern? Whoa! Exactly. So I remember thinking... Well, what does it matter how I, how well I knit if you're judging based on an opinion? Yes. Because that's just an opinion. 100%. If you think that the lace patterning shouldn't be on the foot, that's your opinion and keep it to yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Keep it out of the judging. Thank you very much. Yeah, exactly. So I was really upset by that because I felt that that really wasn't judging. That was an opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and that's what I mean. You have to be very aware that that kind of thing is rampant out there. I've heard, I've heard that that's very common for fairs and county fairs and, you know, little competitions that aren't necessarily bound by any kind of published rules right. and that kind of thing. Right. So it's like you said, it, it's not like it's being run by the Knitting Guild of America. Therefore Yes, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So you know, I had followed the pattern. I knit the pattern, but judges also don't know every single pattern out there. Of They're not gonna know. But again, it really was just opinion. So that just was not fair. (laughs) No, I agree. Not fair. And actually, something you just said sparked another thing I wanted to comment on. The fact that not every judge knows every pattern. Oh, yeah. But to be aware that a lot of the judges do know what's hot right now, basically. So one of the things that I was reading was that you shouldn't pick necessarily a pattern that's been knit a lot. So they said, you know, if it's something that they've seen a lot it's probably not a good choice for a fair entry Mm. so that's just another thing to think about yeah that could be okay just out of curiosity 
I went and looked online to see what kind of contests and competitions are out there for knitters should you be interested. I found design competitions for knitting designers if you have created something that you think is contest worthy they are out there. I saw competitions for fastest knitter and crocheter if you think you are speedy with the needles. And I saw a very fun one. This might be something you want to look up. Apparently in Finland there is something called the heavy metal and knitting competition, which is really more of a performance competition than a knitting competition, because I don't think the knitting itself is actually judged. I think it's the entire performance of heavy metal and one person (laughs) on the stage must be knitting on a real knitting project according to the rules yeah i'm imagining all these rockers out there in these heavy sweaters like thrashing their heads around and sweat pouring everywhere (laughs) look it up on youtube i think you're exactly right oh my goodness (laughs) well we hope you found that interesting i know i sure did and if you have entered a fair or a knitting competition tell us about it in the ravelry thread because Like I said, I didn't really know it was a thing, even though I've obviously known you've been judging for many years. It's never occurred to me to enter one of my own projects. So it's just interesting to consider. And I would love to hear about experiences that you have had having had your knitting judged, because as a judge, I'm always looking for ways to improve the way I look at others knitting. All right, and don't forget, Colors of Falls coming to an end. So get those cute little fall looks photographed and up on the FO thread. And I think that's it for today. That is it for today. Happy knitting, everyone. Happy knitting. Bye. Bye. You can find our podcast on iTunes at Yarniacs Podcast. Visit our blog with show notes at yarniacs.com. We have a friendly and engaging Yarniacs Podcast Ravelry group. My Ravelry name is Knitter Ninja Shar. Gail's is Gailey Whaley. You can follow us on Twitter at Yarniacs or on Instagram at Yarniac and at Gailey Whaley.